It's happened to me one time too many. How about you? Ever found yourself in full pursuit of a pathway that you were absolutely sure, beyond the shadow of a doubt, was right? That you were heading in the right direction? No questions asked? In fact, you prayed and fasted and sought God earnestly. You heard his voice. You got confirmation after confirmation. An answer here, one over there. How could she have possibly known? Was he in my prayer closet or what? OMG, that message was dead on accurate. Signs after signs after signs. But only to arrive at that moment when it all falls apart. Or you arrive at a dead end. Or you get hit with a curveball. Or you hit a major roadblock with what seemed like no hope of recovery. Has disappointment ever brought you to your knees? Has it ever brought you to the door of absolute despair and hopelessness? Have you ever suffered a colossal failure or disappointment that recovery seemed almost impossible? Most importantly, has God ever given you the green light to proceed but disappointment or failure came just the same? Hear ye, hear ye. You have tuned into this week's segment of the Building According to Pattern podcast segment with yours truly, Georgia A. Bryce. Great of you to join me this time around. Uh, I want to know, how was your week last week? I suppose just as busy as mine, huh? Sometimes I have to wonder exactly what it is that makes my life so full every day. For whatever reason, I'm just always busy, but... I guess the most important thing is just ensuring that I'm busy doing the right things. If you're coming across this podcast for the very first time, you are in for a real treat. Thank you so much for joining me and for even considering staying to the very end of this segment. Archived podcast segments from as far back as September 2013 are available on my podcast page and I would strongly encourage you to go browsing through the list of messages. I guarantee you're going to find some answer or to some of your questions or circumstances that you might be challenged with currently in this stage of your life. So when you get a chance, visit my podcast page and that address is batplc.podbean.com. Now without further delay, I want to jump head on into today's segment entitled, When Yes Still Leads to Failure, What Next? If you've never experienced failure or disappointment on a level that is heart-wrenching, without wishing you any harm or ill will, I have to say, if you live long enough, that is simply just a matter of time. Everyone at some point in time in his or her life will face this moment, sometimes more than once. I have been disappointed to the point of being devastated. I have had those moments when I felt like I could never, ever recover. I have been slapped with some things that never in a million years would I have ever imagined. No one could have prepared me for those moments. And even if they tried, I was so sure that I would have flat out told them they were lying. More crucial for me, however, is the immense pain and loss I have had to contend with 
after being confronted by failure and disappointment in matters that I knew God had co-signed on, I was given the green light. I had received the go-ahead after praying and fasting, and yet failure was the outcome. Can any one of you relate to this experience? Do you know what it feels like to hear God's instructions concerning a matter and moving in absolute confidence and obedience only to find that the outcome was not what you were expecting? That in fact, it was way off base? I remember going through one of those experiences a few years ago. In my mind, although the road was rocky getting to the end game, I was absolutely sure that it was just a matter of time. I had never before prayed and fasted and earnestly sought for directions so much in my life as I did during this period. Talk about journaling. I literally went through 10 journals in the space of two years. I had had dreams. Others had had dreams. Prophetic words were spoken. God had spoken. And all roads led in the same general direction. The outcome was inevitable and I was ready until I found myself, as it were, sitting at the end of a road with no other direction to go but right back where I came from. I had run out of road and the first thoughts that crossed my mind were, did I miss something here? How could God do this to me? During this period, I had the opportunity to read this great little book that I had probably read quite possibly about 15 years prior. The book was titled, Who Moved My Cheese? Written by Spencer Johnson. I could never do enough justice narrating this short story, but would strongly encourage you to go online and access the PDF version or purchase a copy for a mere 99 cents. Come on, no, you're worth it. I guarantee you this is going to be probably one of the best resources in your library. If you are at a place in your life where you have hit a major brick wall and getting up, brushing yourself off, and getting back into the game of life is a major challenge for you, this is a must read. If change is a struggle for you, you will want to invest the 30 minutes, believe it or not, 30 minutes it will take reading this short story. It altered my life completely and it was exactly what I needed to get back and to keep on moving. Now, as told by Kenneth Blanchard in the foreword, Who Moved My Cheese is a story about change that takes place in a maze where four amusing characters look for cheese. Cheese being a metaphor for what we want to have in life, whether it's a job, a relationship, money, a big house, freedom, health, recognition, spiritual peace, or even an activity like jogging or golf. Each of us had, has had our own idea of what cheese is, and we pursue it because we believe it makes us happy. If we get it, we often become attached to it. And if we lose it or it's taken away, it can be traumatic. The maze in the story represents where you spend time looking for what you want. It can be the organization you work in, the community you live in, or the relationships you have in your life. 
Now, who might cheese? The story surrounds these four characters. Two mice called Sniff and Scurry and two little people called Hem and Haw who were almost in proportionate size to their mice counterpart. They all found their cheese at Cheese Station C and decided to structure or build their entire lives around this station. Every day they would get up and head to their favorite locations, Cheese Station. The mice always making it there very early in the morning, long before the little people arrived. One day when him and Ha arrived at their usual spot, to their horrid surprise and devastation, all the cheese was gone. Their entire world had just come crashing down, their dreams turning into a nightmare. What were they supposed to do now? Well, if you want to find out what happened next, you can either use your imagination or take the extra step to find out. Go get the book, y'all. After reading this book for the second time, a time in my life when the content made perfect sense because I could connect with it, I realized that parking at the end of the road and wallowing in my disappointment was not going to change things. Neither was that going to do me any good. I had to make the decision to get up and to begin the recovery process, even when doing so hurt like nothing I had ever felt. I found that I could get up, though tentatively, and through the pain and the tears and the crying out to God, I somehow managed to get things back on track, at least my life. There was only one sticking point for me. How could I reconcile within myself the failure I had experienced when God had given me the green light? Now, I know most of you are probably thinking in your mind that maybe I thought I had heard from God when I really hadn't. Or maybe it was just my imagination running away with me. Or maybe I wanted what I wanted so badly. I actually thought I heard from God when I really hadn't. In fact, at one point in time, I was even told that I had been deceived. Maybe some of you are in agreement with this. On the other hand, there are a handful of you listening to this message who know exactly what I am saying and can relate to it because you have been there and might be even now still waiting for an answer, searching for meaning or attempting to decipher what's next. Is there ever a time when God responds, gives the green light to move, yet failure and disappointment comes instead? Absolutely. And when it does, what should be your response? Let me turn your attention to your manual for living, the word of God. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is contained within its pages. You simply have to seek it out. I want to look specifically at the book of Judges chapter 20. And here you will find a very powerful narrative that speaks directly to our discussion today. Thousands of years ago. Being relevant thousands of years later. In this chapter, there is the record of an ensuing war between the 11 tribes of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. The premise for the war is detailed in the previous chapter, that's chapter 19, which I'm encouraging you as always to make the time to go read for yourself. Now, for the sake of time, here is a quick summary. The 11 tribes declared an all-out war against Benjamin 
in retaliation for an egregious act that was committed against the wife of a Levite as they were both journeying through the land of Gibeah. According to the narrative, this Levite and his wife had stopped overnight in Gibeah on their way home to Ephraim and were confronted by a bunch of men who demanded with threats to have sex with the Levite. According to the story, he pushed his wife outside the door instead and by the following morning as he was preparing to resume his journey, upon opening the door, he found his wife. She was dead. When he returned to Ephraim, the Levite took his wife's body and divided it into 12 pieces, distributing it to each piece to the 12 tribes. This, of course, sparked outrage in the nation, with people demanding an answer for the meaning of this act. When the details were provided, warriors from the 11th tribe decided to go up against Benjamin, demanding that the men who were responsible for this brutal abuse and subsequent death of the priest's wife be handed over. Their refusal to do so sparked a war. Before going to war, the Bible says that the 400,000 warriors from this combined army went up to the house of God, stationed in Bethel, to inquire concerning who should advance the fight against Benjamin. God gave them clear instructions that Judah should lead the charge. Needless to say, at the end of the battle that day, 22,000 Israelites were massacred at the hands of a measly 26,000 Benjamites. How could such a small army inflict so much devastation on an army that was more than 15 times its size? Most importantly, how could God have sanctioned the tribes going up against Benjamin and yet allow them to suffer such a major defeat? Had they sought God's leading? Yes, they did. Did he answer them with a specific directive? Yes, he did. So what went wrong? The text states that they cried the whole evening in despair and once again went before God to inquire whether they were to return to battle against the Benjaminites. And for the second time in a row, God told them to go up and fight. The second day of battle was no better than the first day. 18,000 soldiers died during that battle that ensued. Failure on top of failure. Disappointment on top of disappointment. Hurt on top of hurt. Now I must admit that as I read this account, the question that arose for me was, how do you keep trusting God when what he says to you in no way mirrors your reality? I believe the children of Israel knew something about God that obviously I don't. Because no sooner had they returned to their base that second day, they all presented themselves before the Lord once again and completely broken. They cried and fasted unto the Lord the whole day and they offered up sacrifices unto him. Once again, they inquired whether they should return to war again or if they should simply throw in the towel and walk away for good. God responded saying they should go get back in the fight, and this time around, he would be on board to hand them the victory. Into the third day, the tables were turned. The 11 tribes came out swinging with a new strategy for defeating the Benjaminites, and at the end of the day, 
only 600 of the 26,000 soldiers from Benjamin survived. They had to run away and hide in caves to preserve their lives. Not only were their fellow comrades fallen, their entire city was burnt to the ground. God had finally vindicated the cause of the 11 tribes of Israel. When failure is your reality, though the promises of God speak differently, what do you do? Do you throw in the towel and walk away? Or do you do what the children of Israel did? Do you keep going back to God? This is a question I have had to ask myself on more than one occasion. What do I do when I got God's word on a matter, but disappointment and failure is all I see, sometimes perpetually? Do I dare to believe that somehow, some way, he is going to make it happen? Or do I warp myself out of faith and resort to the idea that maybe it wasn't really God? Maybe it was me. It takes courage to keep on believing. It takes courage to believe again and again and again in spite of. The men of Israel had courage. They could have walked away the first time, and if not the first, then the second. They could have accused God of lying to them. I know I've been guilty of doing that. Instead, they kept coming back to inquire. Could it be that they knew once they got God's word on it, that it was just a matter of time? It would be remiss of me if I did not point out the fact that their posture changed the third time around. Not only did they inquire of God as before, but this time they spent time fasting, earnestly seeking God's face, and they went a step further to offer a sacrifice unto him. Is it at all possible that there is something more that God is requiring of you? Something that might demand a sacrifice on your part if you are to come into the promise or promises he has for you. Have you asked him what that could be? And most importantly, are you willing to do what you need to do? If you read the account given in Judges 20 verse 29 to 48, you will find that on the third day of the battle, the children of Israel implemented a new strategy for defeating their enemy. Sometimes you might be confronting the same issue, but require a new strategy to make your mark. Strategies come through revelation of the Holy Spirit. Have you been engaging him in your process? Greater than this, can you even begin to engage him? The manual states clearly that the natural man cannot even begin to comprehend the things of the Spirit, since what the Spirit reveals will only be foolishness to him. If you are to receive and understand the ways and insights of the Holy Spirit, you must first get into a right and authentic relationship with your manufacturer, the Lord God, through his son, Jesus Christ. Only then can you receive the inner residence, workings, and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there is something more that God is requiring or demanding of you. Maybe failure and disappointment are a part of the process itself, a part of your journey. Maybe God is wanting to prove what is in your heart. Maybe God is wanting to bring you to a place of complete understanding 
that if it's not him, your ability to secure the victory is null and void. Maybe God is wanting to ensure that the praise and glory will be directed to him and him alone when you finally get there. Maybe he wants you to rely on him even more. It could be any number of reasons. The only way you are going to know what to do next, when the decision to move on a confirmation of yes still leads to failure, is to go back to your source. Go back to God. And no matter what happens, never ever give up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being the source of our strength and the strength of our lives. We lift our hands in complete surrender to you today. Some of us have been battered, bruised, and made bloodied by the process we've had to walk through. Some of us have experienced colossal failures and disappointments in issues in which we were sure beyond the shadow of a doubt was in your will for our lives. The hurt was and quite possibly still is unbearable. How can we stay the course when it hurts to even move again? How can we trust you when life is screaming that it's simply time to bow out and to get out of the game? How do we reconcile what you promised with a reality or an outcome that is quite the complete opposite? Like the children of Israel, we come broken before you and we dare to ask you for more of your help, more of your direction and for a new strategy. What is it that you require from us? What are you demanding us to sacrifice? Reveal it to us and help us to be willing to do what we need to do, even if it costs us. We put our confidence in you once again, and we choose to believe your promises that you who hath begun this good work in us will bring it to completion. We love you and we honor you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. My hope for you as always is that something you heard via this podcast has challenged you in some way. That you were comforted and encouraged about a matter that you might not be facing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That's one of my favorite instructions and it's found in Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. Let me invite you as always to visit the podcast page to check out the list of archived messages available for your listening pleasure. And again, that address is batplc.podbean.com. It would be beneficial for you to subscribe to the podcast so that you're guaranteed to receive the new segments directly to your listening device immediately upon upload. So simply click on the RSS feed button that's located on the top right hand corner of the page. And that will ensure that as soon as a message is made available, it's going to come directly to your listening device. If you have not had the chance to do so, please go check out my website that is now up and fully functional. The podcast segments are also accessible via this um. Uh, via my website page and along with a weekly blog for those people who are into reading if you know listening is not your thing there's a blog that's also available on my website you will also find the dates for upcoming speaking engagements for those of you who might be interested in seeing me live how about that that website address is buildingaccordingtopattern.com that's one complete word or alternately b a t 
PLLC.com. Now, I know that was so much easier. You have the opportunity to connect with me on social media as well, be it on Twitter or Instagram. And you can reach me at Georgia B-A-T-P-L-L-C. That's one complete word. Hit me up on Facebook at Building According to Pattern. Or visit my YouTube channel at Building According to Pattern LLC. When you get to my Facebook page, I'm going to encourage you if, you, if you've not done so as yet, please like. When you get to my YouTube channel, please subscribe. I always look forward to hearing from you. And I've made it so much easier for you to connect with me. Feel free to leave a comment on my website or on my podcast page or via social media. Whatever you like, whichever means, please, I want to hear from you. Alternately, you could shoot me an email and that address is info, I-N-F-O, at building according to pattern. Hit me up now. All right. It's time for me to get out of here. Let's get together again next week. Until then. Stay blessed, be blessed, and have a phenomenal week. Bye.